5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Coming up here in a second. The late Eddie Money. Shout out. Mm hmm. Okay, welcome in everybody. Uh, great to have you with us here. I uh, really enjoyed uh, having Coach O uh, with us yesterday. He was great. Had a lot of uh, great response to uh, Gary Overton being on with us and also to Josh Hawkins, uh, now with the uh, XFL's Dallas Renegades, uh, for being on with us. That was a lot of fun uh, yesterday. Uh, good show today with uh, Brian Mull coming up. We'll talk college basketball, including this uh, sort of mystery flagrant foul on Miles James. And then uh, Coach Kim McNeil also going to join us. Uh, next segment, in fact, uh, we'll talk to her uh, about uh, the uh, upcoming uh, rest of the season for uh, ECU's women's basketball team, which uh, was mired in a really bad uh, losing skid earlier in the year. But uh, they have righted things. And uh, before uh, their loss uh, here recently to USF on the road, they had won uh, three in a row. And uh, for the month of, of February, or really since late January, they've had a winning mark. So uh, this has been uh, a uh, challenging first season for Coach McNeil, but one where she has uh, uh, brought the program along and brought those young players on her roster along quite well. Uh, happy to have you with us uh, here. We're going to uh, give you uh, some NFL and some Tom Brady news if time allows today. You've probably been bombarded with it, I'm sure, all day. Uh, and uh, that's all the Nationals have been talking about. Uh, we'll get into a few things here that involve uh, ECU before we uh, uh, give away uh, two giveaways today. Uh, one that will include, uh, well, they'll both include uh, tickets to the uh, ECU-UConn game and then a family four-pack to Home Fest 20 uh, coming up in Greenville a week from uh, Saturday. Uh, but first, uh, Pirate Basketball last night. Uh, a game that was back and forth at times a very well it was an entertaining game uh, at times it was a you know kind of a fun game to watch uh then at the end uh i, I kind of thought ecu was in a little bit of trouble when Jaden gardner fouled out 40 some odd seconds left uh i was talking to the guys before we went on here i wasn't uh 
totally in love with what happened at the end of regulation there. But I mean, what are you going to do with Jaden out of the lineup? Uh, and uh, Robinson White got about as good a look as you probably could have gotten. The the Miles James flagrant one has been the uh, point of discussion today. Uh, there was some Twitter chatter that it could have been the old uh, hook and hold, but it, it wasn't even that. They never showed a. They never really addressed it or showed a replay of it on on that uh, telecast last night. But while it may, you know, I thought you USF played pretty well uh, in overtime. Not having Jaden Gardner out there, I think, changed the complexion of that. But you know, this is now two games in a row where, in fairly important parts of the game down the stretch some bizarre calls have gone against uh, ECU, the flagrant and then the two technicals uh, against a temple that led to the six free throws. Uh, you know, quite frankly, the Pirates have kind of been jobbed out here the last uh, couple of games by the by the officials. And uh, last night, it, it, it cost them uh, in a way. Uh, you know, down one when that uh, sort of mystery flagrant is, is called. Uh, if there's a different view on that, but that what I've seen and then what's kind of floated around on the Twitter, Twitter sphere today uh, seems to indicate that uh, unless this ha- unless it happened earlier, the ref thought he I don't know. It just it was very bizarre. But I got to imagine Joe Dooley uh, had to be on the phone today with the league office and Mark Whitehead, the head of officials for the American. Uh, I asked Cy Seymour about that earlier in the week, and uh, Cy kind of talked about the the one flagrant, the two techs at the end of the Temple game or near the end of the Temple game last Saturday. Uh, this is what Cy Seymour had to say about that. It was the kind of play that you play on. You, you, you break them up. There was really nothing done. I mean, there was nothing really uh, that that indicated that there should be any tacticals. Now, you might want to call a flagrant if you fouled him hard. Right, okay. yeah. yeah. Give him two. And that. I understand that. But the two technical fouls, uh, were really kind of surprising to me uh, and didn't need to be called. It's just that simple. And as Cy went on to say that, you know, it was probably Joe Dooley. Uh, and I don't get the impression Joe's on the phone with uh, Mark Whitehead after every single uh, game. There are probably coaches in the league that are. Uh, but, uh, you know, I get the impression that Joe probably uh, was on the phone or at least dropped an email uh, perhaps after Temple. Uh, and then, um, you know, I, I, I just, I thought it was, it was a bad call at the end of the game. Bad call at the end of the game. It didn't help. May not have cost ECU, but it certainly uh, didn't help. One of the other uh, big pieces of news uh, locally, this broke around the time we were uh, wrapping up business. I think actually after we got off the air, uh, yesterday, we went till 630 uh, leading into the basketball game. Uh, Mydrian Vines uh, entering the transfer portal. We know Mydrian uh, fairly well from our Rose coverage. He's a good kid. Uh, top 50, top 60, top 75 recruit uh, coming out of Rose. Uh, you know, a three-star receiver. Uh, his, his offers, I always thought, were a little low. ECU was probably his best offer, and he, and he took that with Scotty Montgomery. Uh, what, what's kind of interesting about this was the sort of downward uh, spiral, in a sense, that Mydrian Vines' stock took during the year. I mean, uh, we can remember during training camp, uh, preseason camp, that's all they were talking about is how great Mydrian was. And, uh, 
you know, I, I don't think this is anything maybe more than a lack of playing time because uh, you look at all the receivers ECU has back, especially with C.J. Johnson, Blake Prohl back, Sneed back, Tyler Sneed, uh, Hatsfield, uh, Bird, et cetera. Uh, there might have been, you know, a bit of a, a crowded depth chart for Myron Vines to get back uh, on uh, to the field significantly after he started a couple of games. But they were really high on him out of camp, and they were talking about what a great camp, what great shape he was in, how quick and fast he was in the preseason. Uh, but he finishes his ECU career with uh, less than 20 receptions and less than 250 receiving yards in play the last few games of the year. Uh, so you look at this, Vines enters the transfer portal uh, along with uh, Tay Williams at running back and then a couple defensive linemen here. Uh, Williams, uh, the kid Trey Love, and uh, uh, the other defensive lineman, uh, Hickerson, were, were kids who were uh, apparently exited from the program and entered the transfer portal that way. Uh, but you got a handful of kids entering uh, the transfer portal uh, now, and uh, it was uh, it was something. It was something. Yes, my good friend uh, McGee on sports. I'm talking about the flagrant with Miles James. That was uh, that was uh, that was a bad call. That was what it was. McGee was getting on me a little bit there, but I, I no, it was the Miles James call, uh, McGee on sports, that happened uh, later on uh, in uh, in the overtime with uh, ECU down a point. And I know what I was talking about. I wonder what McGee was texting me there. Uh, but uh, it, it's sad to see it for Mydrian. Hopefully he'll land on his feet. I, I, I don't know where necessarily. I'm sure he'll wind up somewhere. He had some sort of FCS offers, some low FBS offers uh, coming out of Rose. So uh, there's some more tape on him now. He's been in a college weight room for a couple of years. So uh, I'm sure Mydrian Vines will land somewhere, and we wish him the best of luck. He, he had a very nice tweet when he confirmed all this uh, uh, towards Coach Houston and the Pirate Nation, which I thought was uh, very classy on his part. Uh, we got uh, two uh, giveaways today. Uh, let's go ahead and do one here as we go to break and get Coach McNeil on. I want to talk to her about her women's team. Brian Mull later will talk a little more about this Miles James uh, flagrant and uh, Pirate basketball. And then the Wolfpack, uh, Wolfpack Nation, WPN, very salty here about this whole NCAA tournament bubble deal. So uh, we'll get with uh, Brian Mull on uh, that from Forbes.com, Coach McNeil after the break. Uh, but going to break, uh, let's uh, take caller seven at 252-561-GAME, 252-561. Two five six one four two six three. Two tickets to the uh, ECU season finale at home on uh, Saturday against UConn at two o'clock, and then a family four pack of tickets to Home Fest twenty a week from Saturday in Greenville at the Convention Center. Uh, that'll get you automatic entry into the drawing for a stay at the Beaufort Hotel and breakfast at thirty four degree restaurant uh, down in Beaufort. Gorgeous facility, great restaurant down there. You'll be entered into that grand prize drawing, so that's very cool. So a little something for you this weekend, and then something for you down the road uh, with uh, the uh, Home Fest four pack of tickets and uh, an entry into a grand prize that could land you uh, a weekend down at uh, the uh, Beaufort Hotel. Okay, uh, it is two five two five six one game two five two five six one four two six three and uh, we'll take caller seven as we uh, go to break here kim mcneil when we return we'll talk a little pirate uh, hoops on the lady side with her and uh, what uconn uh, departing the league could mean for the uh, conference uh, prospects uh, long term and uh, we'll talk about all that when we return here on the patrick johnson show 
You can now listen to 94.3 The Game anywhere, anytime. That's a bold statement. Listen to us on your smart speaker. Simply ask Alexa or Google to stream WRHD and connect with us at home, work, or anywhere. We're on TuneIn Radio at 94.3 The Game. So take us anywhere you go. Back to the show. It's all coming back. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Coach Kim McNeil joins us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show. It's always nice to uh, get a few minutes to visit with the uh, coach. It's been too long, quite frankly, uh, and uh, it has been uh, a long basketball season. Uh, but uh, Coach McNeil and her staff have uh, kind of uh, sailed through some choppy waters. So uh, they've done they've done a fine job, all things considered. We welcome Coach to the uh, show here. It's always great to talk to you, uh, Kim. Hope you're doing well. Doing great, Patrick. I appreciate you. Uh, taking the time and, and taking you know interest in our program. Let me uh, offer too, and I hope you don't mind me doing so. Uh, some condolences. I know uh, we we talked a little bit before we went on here. Uh, your uncle recently uh, passed away, so my condolences to you and your family. Thank you, Patrick. We appreciate it. And uh, I got to see your husband, so this was great. I got to see him out on yeah. the recruiting trail. He was uh, he looked he looked great in the purple and gold, and he was doing a great sales job, coach. So he hey, was. Look, that- <laughs> that, that's, his, that's his favorite color you know before we even came to ECU you know, he's a he's a diehard Baltimore Ravens yeah. fan so there you go purple right there and he loves the Lakers and was a huge you know was still a huge Kobe Bryant fan so the uh, purple yeah. and gold fit perfectly with him so he, he was excited that he'd be able to wear more purple we're going to talk about your team and the season you've had and, and really kind of the uptick here in recent times because there's a lot of good things to talk about there but for some reason, I have in my mind you're a Raiders fan. Is this true? Or am I, I am. Yes, okay. Yes. So, yes, yes. are you? If they sign Tom Brady, are you? Are you? Are you the smack talker in the house? If Brady signs no, with, no, okay, no, all right, no. all right. I'm just wondering. No, that, that's, no, that's not me. That's not me. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Raiders fan, um, but you know, I just, it, I just, it's like leisure. You know, I do it right, for fun. Right. Know? The, your husband is the fanatic for Baltimore. Uh, I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Uh, Coach McNeil with us uh, here. ECU with uh, a game Saturday, and uh, we'll talk all about uh, that. Uh, I want to talk about sort of where, uh, you, you know, this program is. You, you look at the record on the surface and be like, eh, and there was a long losing streak in there. But, yeah. you know, prior to the other night, you all had uh, run off three wins in a row, and uh, it, it just, you know, had really never quit this year, and, and, and it could have been easy to do that. They could have. You know, we are extremely young, probably younger than people even realize. You know, you can look on the roster and paper and say, oh, we got, you know, two or three juniors on the team. Well, um, one of those juniors, you know, Richard uh, Jr. uh, and Dominique Clater, you Mm -hmm. know, she barely played her freshman and sophomore year, and then she was injured last year. So, really, this is her freshman year for her. Mm. Um, You know, you look at Tierra Chambers, who didn't play at all, didn't score a point last year. And she's starting for us and playing, you know, 20-some minutes could probably play more if she keep her butt out of foul trouble. <laughs> um, and then you got you got four true freshmen on the team. So that's six out of your eight players who didn't play at all last year. So, you know, we are extremely young. And, you know, when you see a young team like that, you see, you know, a roller coaster ride. You see highs. You see lows. I think you've seen that in this team. But, you know, what I'm mostly proud of is, as you said, Patrick, you know, we, we haven't quit. Now, I'm not going to tell you that every day has been, you know, peaches and cream and and we've you know practiced hard every single day but for the most part you know we've come in with good energy 
heads are high. My staff is incredible. We're bringing their energy every day. And, you know, having a balance of challenging the kids, but also staying positive. So I'm proud, uh, you know, of the progress that we've made throughout the season. Five and three, uh, we'll say for the month of February, because the, that first win in that five uh, came in late January against Memphis. Uh, so I think that's certainly something to build on. Two more games remaining, including the game with uh, Tulane, six o'clock on Saturday evening. We'll talk a little bit about that with uh, with Coach, and that uh, pardon me, wrap up the regular season with uh, Cincinnati uh, on Monday, and then on to the uh, conference uh, conference tournament. Uh, injuries kind of beset this group. You, you didn't, you kind of didn't have the full deck to start, but but uh, there were a lot of injuries to this to this team. And you have a certain culture, a certain style you want to be a part of what happens uh, with your program for ECU women's basketball. And you haven't strayed away from that this year, Coach. I mean, you've you, you're got, your team's going to play a certain way, uh, whether they have seven or, or 17 on the roster. Yeah, and, you know, I, that's, that's my philosophy. That's who we are, you know, as a staff. I'm a firm believer in, in teams having an identity. You know, and understanding who we're going to be and how we're going to win games. And, you know, there are times when, you know, I've kind of, you know, said in my mind, you know, do we not press? Do we not? It, no, no, we, we, we got to build the culture. You know, mm-hmm. we got to lay the foundation. And, you know, granted, we haven't been able to press as much as I would like to because, you know, to go as hard as we want to go as far as pressing, you know, for 35 minutes a game, you got to have numbers. And, and that has hurt us, um, you know, with, you know, one time of the season, we only had seven kids, and then, you know, we're at eight. We've pretty much been at eight all year. So, you know, it's a long season. You know, basketball plays both semesters. You know, we've been going hard since September, and here we are almost March. So it's a really long season. It gets really taxing on your body. You know, so we've had to pull it off, and, you know, we've still been able to win games. And, you know, we're still, you know, second in the nation and still second in the nation, you know, and, and I think maybe fourth in the nation and fourth turnovers, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's pretty incredible, you know, to be able to do that with only seven or eight kids all season long. LaShonda Monk's coming off uh, the most points in a game this season for her, uh, a season high. Uh, she's had uh, some games where she has uh, uh, been your, your, your leader in three-point shooting, uh, has set some marks there for herself uh, individually, personal record type of things. Uh, had a nine-steal game. She's over 100 steals on the season. And I say all this because, uh, you know, the scouting report really, I'm sure, focuses on her. And she's been able to produce this year uh, despite being the target of that scouting report by a lot of the opponents. Yeah, you know, everybody is playing a different role, you know, for this team. It's a different experience for everybody, even including the coaching staff. You know, we're learning on a daily basis. Um, But LaShonda, you know, has definitely stepped up for us in key situations. You know, she had a little rut for, for about a week or so, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. got it back here these last two weeks where she's been playing really, really well. You know, she broke the all-time steals record mm-hmm. here at ECU. So, she, you know, she's she's filling it up when it comes to accolades this season. But I'm pretty sure, you know, knowing, knowing LaShonda, that she would turn all of that in, you know, for a winning season. Um, she, she's doing everything she can. You know, we're asking her to be more of a vocal leader. And, and if you know LaShonda, that's not her personality. Um, she's very, very quiet and shy off the court, um, totally different than what you see on the court. You know, so that's been a different role for her, and it's been an adjustment, you know, to be vocal and, and to, you know, be that, that leader for the team on the court because she's used to having other people around her to do that. So, you know, I'm proud of her growth uh, from that standpoint because that's something I think that she never thought she'd 
have to do. Um, you know, we all know she's a baller. We all know, you know, she she's like a, a you know a, a little thief with all with all the skills <laughs> that she has on the floor. Um, so that that piece is not surprising. Yeah. But you know, her and Tania Thompson, you know, they've had to carry the load for us um, this season. You know, those two are probably starred on the scouting reports for us and. You know, when we've had other people to step up and, and score for us, we win games. When we rely only on those two, normally we don't win. You know, so I've been asking other people to step up and, and take some of that burden off of those two shoulders. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the way the conference is, there's some opponents you're only going to play once, and it's just it's kind of unique that yeah you got two opponents that you haven't faced this year coming down the stretch. So there's, you know, you got a whole season of, of film to look at on him, but there's not a previous scout to kind of work off of or your own film against them. That's what you got with Tulane and Cincinnati coming up. You, you, it'll be the only meetings this year, and it's this late in the year. It's the last two games of the conference uh, slate. So that, that's, uh, you know, uh, interesting. It's yeah, it's very different. Yeah, it's different. It is very it's different. different. You know, we've played SMU twice. We've played Memphis twice. we played Wichita State twice. we played Houston twice. But as you said, and not only that, South Florida. That was the first time we played them on Tuesday. Yeah. You know, and, uh-huh. and, and Tulane and Cincinnati coming up. And, and those two guys, you know, Tulane is a really good team. They've fallen off a little bit here lately. Um, but, you know, Cincinnati's playing, you know, their best basketball right now. So, you know, we've hit the top of the, 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 the league, you know, here, you know, with Temple last Saturday. Um, and, and then South Florida and then Cincinnati and, and Tulane here coming up. So, you know, we're really going to get tested these next two games. And, you know, I think our team is ready for the challenge, and you know we'll we'll put out our best effort. The Pirates have a chance to finish the year five hundred at home on Saturday, six o'clock against Tulane. Uh, it's a great sort of weekend of activities on campus. Uh, again, uh, men's game against uh, uh, against uh, UConn coming up at two o'clock Saturday. Uh, then you've got baseball, of course, and then you can finish it all off with uh, the women's game. So uh, a great chance for families to kind of get out and enjoy. It's going to be a little chilly, too. So while we want a lot of folks to go over to baseball, it might get a little chilly there. You might want to come in uh, and uh, warm up inside of uh, Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum uh, around 6 o'clock and watch the uh, women take on uh, Tulane. Uh, Coach, how many uh, bids would you say right now the league's going to get for the uh, NCAAs? You know, I think definitely two. Um, obviously, you know, UConn and um, I think Central Florida um, is up there to get it. And I think Cincinnati is right there, well, depending on how they finish out and how well they do, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the tournament. But I, I definitely think that UConn and, and Central Florida um, will be a lock um, unless something crazy happens and Central Florida, you know, ends up losing out and doesn't do well in the tournament. But I think we're definitely good for two and possibly a third in Cincinnati. Okay. Interesting. Uh, when we get out of the season and all that, we'll, we'll kind of talk about the league in a little more detail uh, with you because uh, I'd really like to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, where the where the league goes with UConn leaving uh, and, uh, you know, a chance for programs like yours to, to kind of fill the void and, and elevate uh, a little bit uh, the uh, the play. So I think that'll be a fun conversation. Uh, I've enjoyed t- catching up with you here. I'll say this, Coach, you've been uh, you've been uh, intense uh, but positive <laughs> during this, what's been a rough year. And uh, look, I, and I mean this sincerely, I'm just not saying this. Uh, a lot of teams would have folded up after that sort of lengthy uh, skid. I mean, a lot of teams, was, I think that's a testament to not only your players, but also the job that you and your, your great staff have done. Well, I appreciate it, Patrick. And I appreciate all the power nation, you know, not, uh, not folding on us either. You know, it, obviously it wasn't the season, you know, that we had anticipated. We're still not done. 
Um, but still not, you know, the, the season that we had anticipated. But I'm excited about the future. You know, this is a young team. Um, we've got some good kids coming in next year and some kids that will re- be returning off from injury. And, you know, you, I always say, you know, you got to control your controllables. Yeah. And in every situation, you got to take the positive from it. And the positive is that these young kids got a lot of playing time that going into the season – wasn't the plan, you know, um, <laughs> but, you know, they've, they've grown, they've gotten better and they've, they've got some, some valuable minutes and they understand our expectations. Um, I'm not quite sure if they understand exactly how it's going to be next year. Cause when you got a full roster, you can do some different things, right. you practice yeah. harder and you do. So, you know, that's a conversation we got to have at the end of the year and let them know, Hey, it's not, it's going to look a little different next year. It's going to be a little bit more intense. Expectations are going to be higher. And the things that we're going to do, be doing is going to be, you know, a little bit more advanced and a little bit more intense. So they've got to get them ready for that and get them mentally prepared for what next year is going to look like. Coach McNeil, uh, best of luck on uh, Saturday and closing out the regular year as well. Appreciate it, Patrick. Uh, there she goes. Kim McNeil, Corey McNeil, her uh, husband and uh, top assistant, they uh, have done a really nice job this year. And uh, that losing streak was uh was rough, but they kept uh, coaching them up. And uh, right now the Pirates are playing pretty well on the back end of the uh, schedule. We'll try to close things out, get a little momentum going up to Mohegan Sun for uh, the conference tournament in a few weeks. Uh, okay. Uh, congratulations. Eric Ross from Greenville is our winner of uh, the two basketball tickets to the uh, men's game against UConn Saturday and the family four pack to Home Fest 20. Uh, we'll give away another uh, set right now, two tickets to ECU and UConn, and then the family four-pack to Home Fest, which is a week from Saturday at the Convention Center in Greenville. That uh, th- that family four-pack will enter you into a, a night at the Beaufort Hotel uh, and uh, a uh, breakfast at 34 Degree Restaurant, so um, th- 34 Degree North Restaurant. Uh, do we have, what caller do we want to take here, uh, boys? Tell me, tell me what you want to do here. We'll do, four, okay, four for 94-3 the game. Uh, we'll do caller four at 252-561 uh, game. Caller four, 252-561-4263. You'll uh, be a winner of uh, tickets to the uh, ECU-UConn game and then the uh, family four-pack of uh, tickets to Home Fest interview for our grand prize uh, drawing for that great weekend. Uh, a timeout, uh, Brian Mull on that uh, flagrant fa- that uh, fantasy flagrant foul uh the flagrant foul that was not plus we'll talk some uh, more about uh, some locals in uh, basketball speaking of locals and hoops the uh, second round of the state playoffs are uh, tonight ben byram standing by with a look at that and a lot more patrick johnson show here at 529 on this thursday Ben Barham here for your 94 Through the Game sports update. ECU football freshman wideout and J.H. Rose alum Mitreon Vons announced on his Twitter last night that he will enter the transfer transfer portal. Vons made it a point to state that his decision to do so wasn't an easy one, and he thanked everybody within the organization. ECU, ECU baseball will begin their annual Keith LeClaire Classic tomorrow at 4.30 against Indiana. Cliff Godwin made a point to stress that the Pirate defense has been the key to their recent success and their 7-1 overall record. Pirate defense and the pirate pitching has has carried the pirate so far. You know, offensively, we are uh, still work in progress and we're pretty good, but we've still got some work to do and we will. Um, but I'm just proud that the guys responded after we gave up two runs. We answered with four. Coverage can be heard right here, beginning at 4:15 on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game.
Pirate Hoops suffered from a tough 73-68 loss to USF Bulls last night on the road, dropping ECU's overall record to 11-18 overall and 5-11 in conference play. Jaden Gardner led the way with 19 points and 3 rebounds, while freshman Brandon Suggs followed with 13 points and 4 rebounds. Pirates look to rebound from that tough loss as they battle UConn this Saturday at home. Tip-off scheduled for 2 o'clock. Stay tuned as the P-Man will be giving away two more tickets for that contest. High School Hoops playoff action tonight in the girls' tournament in the 2A bracket North Pitt matches up against St. Paul's. Cardinal Central will take on East Bladen. In the 3A bracket, the undefeated Conley Vikings will take on Western Alamance. And the South Central will return to action and host Millbrook. In the boys' tournament in the 2A bracket, Cardinal Central will battle Washington. In the 3A bracket, J.H. Rose is set to play Southern Durham. And from around the NFL, NFL PA executive Demari Smith believes that the NFL players will approve the new CBA deal despite much public backlash will start players from social media. Chiefs have stated that they plan to franchise tag star defensive end Chris Jones if a deal cannot be met. And Tom Brady has made it clear to multiple sources that he is very open to the idea of a new home and free agency. He's currently evaluating the NFL free agency landscape. Brady would not be allowed to negotiate with other teams until March 16th. For your 94 through the game sports update, I'm Ben Barham. You're listening to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. The P-Man. He's a big dumb animal, isn't he, folks? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. It's the time of the year that Brian Mull is not only watching a lot of college basketball, but he's on the road, and he joins us uh, from uh, the uh, highways and byways of America, although he is stationary right now. Uh, Brian Mull with us uh, here, Forbes.com, also uh, other basketball outlets. He's already starting his preparation as part of Joe Lenardi's uh, team uh, with uh, ESPN.com to get you ready for the uh, NCAA tournament. Brian, how's it going? How's the road treating you out there? The road has been kind, my friends. Uh, out here in the triad section of North Carolina, spent a little time in the SoCon last night with a top-tier matchup there between UNC Greensboro and Furman, and then uh, rolling over to High Point this evening. We'll see where the weekend leads me. There you go. Uh, we don't know, but uh, Brian will be there. We know that. So, ECU last night, uh, we've talked about it a little earlier uh, there's not a great angle on it uh, from anything I've seen, uh, hoping that there would be. There was no replay on it really last night that showed anything uh, because it was sort of a low-budge E3 telecast. So uh, what I've seen, though, this Miles James flagrant foul called in overtime uh, was uh, the second straight game that ECU's had kind of some bizarre flagrant slash technical fouls called on them at key junctures late in the game. Uh, and uh, our guy, Joe Dooley, is uh, not there's, – there's no respect for Joe. Joe's not getting the calls. Yeah, you have to earn that sometimes over time. And uh, I was just looking at the crew, Joe Lindsay on that crew, certainly a guy familiar to ACC fans. He's worked a lot of games through the years. But, uh, you know, the refs get tired this time of year too, Patrick. And I think sometimes they're 
performance can uh, can slip just a little bit. They've worked a lot of games and traveled a lot of miles as well. But that that uh, from the the replay, which was sketchy at best, uh, certainly did not look like it warranted anything. You know, more than just perhaps even a common foul. So that's uh, you know, on the road in your conference or, or outside of your conference, you have to expect a few calls aren't going to go your way. But Pirates have certainly been on the wrong end of a couple here. Um, Recently. I think your your point is well taken. Uh, the, you know, there's not some. Uh, oh, we're, we're going to try to cost ECU this game. I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, uh, it is nothing better than seating at the lower end last night. I mean, if we're going to be realistic, as as positive and excited as I am about ECU basketball still and its future prospects, last night's game uh, was uh, really just uh, you know little house cleaning as, as far as seeds go at the bottom of of the league. Let's be honest. With that said, uh, a lot of these guys are calling. If you're if you're any good, you're getting games now. What 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 are the numbers now? Are you in the seventies, eighties as far as games called this year? Maybe more. Yeah, absolutely. Some guys are, are probably starting to push. A hundred, uh, Joe Lindsay, I'm just looking up here. That was his 55th game of the year. Okay. But that's still a lot though. I mean, that's it was his fourth since Saturday. Yeah. Well, that, that's <laughs> my, know. that's my point. These guys, you know, we're in the we're, teams now are playing games in the upper twenties, close to 30 games. Now we're in that range. That guy you just mentioned, Lindsay is, is, is called double that. Right. And, He's playing his fourth game, or officiating his fourth game since Saturday. Uh, these guys are flying to different towns. I mean, this is it's it's that's that's a tough life that is a wearing you down kind of life. These guys aren't trying to get things wrong, but because of fatigue, they are. Sure, and they're they're um, you know obviously from anybody who's watched the game and, and watched them. Uh, you know, trudge over there to the monitor anytime there's a vaguely, perhaps potentially flagrant situation. They're, they're really trying to clean up that aspect of the game. And I think they've, you know, at times have gone too far in trying to establish that line. And, you know, I, I agree the game can get too physical, but at the same time, I think sometimes, you know, the, these calls are, that are borderline are, are just definitely going to go in that direction every every time this season as they try to establish that. Another guy on that crew, Kelly Self, who who is a pretty top tier guy. This that was his sixty fifth game. So wow. um, you know, that's that's a lot of like you said, it's a lot of work. I mean the 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 coordinators of officials they do their best to, to minimize the travel for these guys, but uh, I know they're you know their routine, they're up early. They they're always expected to be on the first flight, uh, pretty much in case there's any potential weather problems and they try to grab a nap, you know, when they get into that town and then, you know, rinse and repeat a lot of times. So yeah, it's, 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 a, it takes a toll and then you run up down the court trying to keep up with guys half your age. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, you know, I think everybody can use a reset this time of year, you know, whether you're a coach or player or team, you know, you'll see in conference tournaments, um, and officials are right there in, in that category. Well, the, the thing is the games now are more meaningful, we're at a time of the year where they're more meaningful, and you have guys that are just trying to get through the end of the year to get to the postseason. And I'm not accusing any of these guys of doing that, but, I mean, it's just natural human instinct, especially if you've been in this same sort of monotonous uh, pattern, if you will. 
Uh, but yeah. but I mean, I, I think you know, guy. If Joe has not talked to the uh, the Americans coordinating coordinator of officials after Saturday, he's got to talk to him today if he hasn't already. I mean, you have to at this you point. Do. You have to defend your program. It doesn't have to be a contentious, you know, it doesn't have to be a yelling and screaming. I doubt it would be, you know, but you certainly uh, talking to coaches, you know, there are times when you, when you have to voice your opinion. And, um, you know, if you ask, if you talk to a supervisor, they'll, they can, they'll tell you there are certain coaches who call them after every game mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's mm-hmm. certain yeah. coaches they ra- rarely hear from. And then, you know, there's others that when they do call, it's meaningful because they understand that, um, you know, they, they, they're looking at it from a, from a pretty reasonable perspective and, and uh, want to try to just protect their team, get the best. And, you know, it's just like when they're working the guys during the game, they're hoping to get the, get that next call, you know, sometimes to go in their favor. They're hoping to maybe get a, a little bit better crew assigned yeah. to the game and, and, you know, and next time out. And I'm not saying Joe doesn't work the officials, but I mean, I, I've, I've noticed, I think he's done this sort of with a young team this year. He's more coaching the guys and worrying about the calls. During games, correct. That I've seen. yeah. From the games I've watched, uh, he he's got a lot. To, you know, I, I'm sure he feels like he's constantly having to teach. Uh, you know, there's there's reminders that, that need to be made um, throughout, and he he's focused his attention on on that. And you know, uh, I think I would say he probably just based on my observation has a better than average relationship with the guys working yeah, the game. Yeah, one would think. All right, Brian Mull's with us here. Um, you know, Kevin Keats, who you know very well, uh, since becoming the coach at NC State, has more wins than Syracuse. His program does has more wins than Bayheim and Syracuse, and they have more wins than Notre Dame. So, you know, it's a back and forth. You know, Keats hasn't had the full recruiting. Is it? The, but he but he's lost to two programs that he really has no business losing to this year. And everybody from the NC State perspective wants to talk about getting into the tournament. This is absurd. They have a lot of work to do, in my opinion. I don't get a vote. I won't be in the room on uh, the weekend leading up to Selection Sunday. Uh, while uh, the Duke win certainly comes to everyone's mind. And the win at Virginia is gaining value every day as the Cavaliers kind of figure it out and get it together. You know, I just have to question. I have to wonder where the where's the offset. Uh, certainly, the, we all know that the the process and the quad system is is slanted in the favor of the power conferences. All you have to do is look at the number of bids that they've received. You know, since they've gone to this format and 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 since the tournament expanded, it's crazy. We expanded the tournament to sixty eight teams, and that just you know the percentage for the non power conferences has gone down. But when you when you look at NC State. Uh, you know, loss at New- uh, Memphis, it's looking worse, you know, all the time. And uh, Boston College, certainly a bad loss. And then to get swept by Georgia Tech and UNC. I just don't know how that can't hurt them in the room when they're being compared to other like teams. And I understand everyone has warts, but uh, I think that, you know, you look at their remaining well, I mean, they're, they're middle, of, They're middle of the pack, and there's teams that aren't even being talked about. that They're behind in the conference standings. Yeah, and it's been, you know, obviously a, a mediocre ACC, uh, you know, five bid probably as opposed to, at, at the most, as opposed to eight or nine. Like we're normally talking about this time of year. Uh, I think if you're a Wolfpack realist, 
you've got to feel like you got to get to the semifinals in Greensboro. Yeah. To to really, you're not getting into the tournament if with the early exit in Greensboro. Even uh, let's just say they go two and one in these last three, winning the two home games, which aren't going to help them much. Pittsburgh and Wake Forest, and then uh, you know they probably have a hard time sweeping the Blue Devils. Right. Um, it'll be a little, you know. So so it's it's going. To, yeah, they've, they've got a lot of work to do. They need more, in my opinion, they need more good wins to offset those four pretty bad losses. Brian Mull, Forbes.com sports contributor following uh, college basketball. If Duke wins against Wake the other night, do you still feel good about this team as a Blue Devil fan? Absolutely. They, uh, they. Uh, oh, so you, you think even if they win the other night, because everybody, everybody's off that Duke bandwagon right now. My point is, no. I don't even think that I feel great about them, even if they won the other night, because they just have not shown the ability to go on the road and be tough. Yeah, and uh, they've had some teams in the past that have struggled in February on the road. It's uh, almost become a trend under Krzyzewski. Uh, of course, the, the, the people that don't like the program would say it's because they never go on the road in November and December. I don't know if there's... There may be some truth to that, but by this point in the season, the freshmen aren't freshmen anymore, and you know, they've played <clears throat> thirty games. Excuse me. <clears throat> there, there's enough, you know, there's enough experience there uh, that they should have been able to handle the situation. The situation they were in is, despite not playing their best game in, in a building that felt like looked and felt like a morgue, uh, they were still up by nine points with seventy-five seconds left, and found a way to squander those that nine point lead and that's what should be troubling uh for duke fans and for anyone who feels like that team can string together some wins in the ncaa tournament uh you know bad a lot of teams do can do what duke did but good teams don't do that um they find a way to close that game uh there's really only three errors that you can make in the situation fouling turning the ball over and turnovers I mean, and uh, missing free throws. Well, they made their free throws for the most part in that game, but they, they fouled and, and turned the ball over down the stretch. And uh, that was ultimately, you know, what allowed the Deacons to have a little bit of hope. And then, you know, Childress said probably as big a shot as he said all season. So Blue Devils, you know, they, they've got uh, certainly plenty of opportunity here down the stretch with uh, a Virginia team they've matched up pretty well with through the years and then having to, you know, try to re- redeem their two losses or their loss and their near loss to their their two rivals. They certainly want to play better against North Carolina than they did the first time. So it will. Uh, they they need some momentum too. I I don't see them getting to the the one line unless they are able to to run the table. We're hacking on state. We're hacking on Duke here, but it's the first year of twenty conference games, which means you're playing ten road games in a high level, you know, at a high major, high level sort of thing. Um, you, you know, so I, I'm, I'm anxious to see how that's sort of treated this year, if that's even considered in any kind of room. Because, you know, point is now, you could argue Duke probably is playing 24, 25 high major games now on their conference, in their, in their conference, or in their, in their schedule as a whole. Absolutely. Well, you know, I've, I'm, I'm looking at the top 12 or so teams in, in Ken Palm right now. And if you take out Dayton, who's in the A-10, and you take out San Diego State, who's in the Mountain West, and you take out Gonzaga, who, who's in the West Coast Conference, uh, there's a lot of losses. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, you've got West Virginia, you know, with nine losses. You've got Michigan with nine losses. You've got, you know, Duke has five. Um, 
outside of Kansas and Baylor, pretty much everybody else has, has taken a lot of lumps. I mean, going going down through the top 20. And um, that's just been the nature of it this year. There's certainly a lot of balance. It's an unpredictable game. Talk, it's funny, talking to coaches off the record, you know, through the year, and uh, they, they the ones that have been doing this for a while said keeping their players focused day in, day out, and even within a practice and you know, just on the task at hand, it, it can be a challenge. Um, and, you know, you can debate that all day long, but I think that's part of the reason that's contributing to some of this inconsistent performance we've seen, even from teams that we kind of feel like are the elite teams. Brian, Brian Ball with us here. I want to ask you one thing. I, I meant to ask you this last week, but now uh, it's it's started to get a little more uh, coverage, too, in some other conferences. But I guess the ACC is now sort of joined up with the Big Ten supporting the one-time transfer exemption. Um, you know, this is a football-driven story in a lot of articles I've read, but basketball is where this problem is epidemic. Well, it'll be a whole new world if this goes through. And, uh, I, you know, someone made a good point to me that while they feel like the top teams in some of those, both of those conferences are probably for it because they can quickly plug a hole in their roster with no problem, they wonder if the, 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 the rank and file, you know, the, the, the teams in the pack and those that kind of have to build it and get old and stay old are going to be as in favor of it. Uh, that'll remain to be seen. But it, it's, it's not going to crush the game like some people are trying to, you know, the gloom and doomers, but it's going to change things dramatically and that you're, you could see massive roster turnover each year in the spring, even more so than we're seeing now uh, where, you know, if you're a high major, you've got to look, you know, maybe – to, to another high major to be able to get a guy to, you know, that's been in a losing program that wants to come to a winning program and, and, and fill a spot for a year or two. So it, it would certainly change it. I, I don't, I mean, I still think people are going to show up if Duke plays Carolina or, you know, ACC championship. I mean, it doesn't matter who's out there, but uh, it will certainly change the dynamic and make recruiting even more of a year round process than it is right now. Brian, I appreciate it. We'll talk more on that uh, down the road. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Patrick. Brian uh, Mull, sports uh, blog contributor for Forbes.com and part of uh, Joe Lenardi's uh, group there that gets you ready for the NCAA tournament at uh, ESPN.com. Uh, congratulations to Todd Dudley of uh, Greenville. He was our uh, winner of our second giveaway uh, today. Uh, and uh, those uh, winners today, both Eric and Todd, have been entered into the uh, drawing uh, via the uh, family four-pack of tickets to HomeFest 20, which is a week from Saturday at the convention center, uh, will be a, a great event here in uh, Greenville. Uh, the high school uh, basketball playoffs continue uh, tonight. South Central, of course, uh, their boys' team were uh, uh, eliminated uh, after uh, kind of a tumultuous period for them of uh, 48 or so hours. Uh, but uh, Rose uh, boys still playing. You got uh, Conley's uh, girls atop the squad as well. So uh, you also have uh, both uh, Farmville Central boys and girls teams. North Pitts girls are still uh, alive. So uh, a lot of local teams uh, playing in the uh, basketball playoffs out of Pitt County tonight. So good luck to all of them. I uh, will uh, take a uh, quick, oh, real quick. I want to say this too, uh, so we're not pressed for it at the end of the show, because uh, I know we got to get a break here, but a uh, little, little birthday shout out. Happy birthday to my uh, dad, the coach, Kelly Johnson today. Uh, big birthday uh, for him. So uh, just wanted to wish him a happy uh, birthday. If not for him, I wouldn't be here, right? Uh, we'll come back, wrap it up next. 
And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing it for the gram. Doing it for the gram. Like our brand new 94.3 The Game Instagram page for photos from our shows, all the events we cover, pirate game days, and all the hashtags, pics, and videos from around the pirate nation. That's 94.3 The Game in our brand new page now on Instagram. Patrick Johnson. I think he's a hedonist and an overblown grandstander. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. The girls also playing it. I want to give them a shout out uh, as well. Hey, uh, no show tomorrow. Uh, ECU in Indiana in the uh, Keith LeClaire Classic. And uh, that is a 4.30 first pitch, 4.15 airtime tomorrow. Catch the guys bringing that to you all weekend long here on 94.3 The Game. Pirate basketball on 107.9 for that uh, 2 o'clock tip on Saturday. Uh, Big thanks to Brian Mull, Coach Kim McNeil. Thanks to CJ. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to you most of all. And we'll see you Monday.